everyone is interested in the Middle East. It's in the headlines all the time. If you were to just include some things about Israel and the Middle East in your sermons, people will be interested because they're asking questions about that. What does a leading U.S. pastor think about Israel on its 75th anniversary? And how can good theology lead to good understanding of what's going on in the epicenter? Hi, and welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we're talking with Joel Rosenberg in Jerusalem to answer that very question and introduce a special guest. Joel, our special guest is Skip Heitzig. Would you like to introduce him? I'd be happy to. Carl, great to see you across the planet, and uh, shalom from Jerusalem. And shalom, Skip. Uh, Skip Heitzig is uh, is a wonderful pastor of one of the largest churches, uh, evangelical churches in the United States. He's based in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. He's a California boy, though, really came to Absolute. faith uh, during the Jesus Revolution and really radically saved. Uh, yeah, we're going to do two ba- podcasts back-to-back. And so in the next one, we'll talk about his testimony. Uh, Maybe he'll weave in some of it uh, here, but we'll go into more depth uh, in the next podcast. But Skip, uh, uh, I'll give more details in a moment, but you're the pastor uh, of Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, and um, uh, it's a church of about 15,000-ish. Maybe I've lost track. And a dear friend, great to see you, my friend. It's great to see you, Joel, and uh, to be a part of this. I get to watch and get your other podcasts. So this is an honor to be a part of this one. Well, I appreciate it. So so Skip is not just a, uh, someone who's deeply studied theology, is a senior pastor, planted the congregation that he leads uh, years ago uh, with his wife, and it has just grown and has been such a such a huge blessing, not just to Albuquerque and the broader community in New Mexico, but uh, Skip serves with uh, Franklin Graham on, uh, I believe it's on the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association board, is that right? Or, or is it Samaritan's Purse? Samaritan's Purse. Okay. All right. Purse. So Greg Laurie is on the yes. GEA, you're on the Samaritan's Purse side, but it's all pretty much integrated in, in uh, Franklin's yes. world. But the other thing which is interesting to me uh, is that when I first published uh, my nonfiction book, my first nonfiction book, Epicenter, I was invited uh, very early on to come speak at uh, a little tiny congregation in uh, New Mexico, just outside of Albuquerque. But it happened that the people that invited me, uh, the sister of the wife, uh, was a very dear childhood friend, uh, was going to your church, Skip, and said, hey, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Joel Rosenberg, but he's coming to our church. And you and Lenya, your wife, uh, invited me to have come have dinner uh, with you and and, so, and your wife and some of your colleagues, and that led to not just a friendship but quite a partnership. We've gotten a lot of things done over the last yes. seventeen years or so. Yes, I remember that meeting, and I remember when you first spoke here, and I was thrilled to have you speak because you had written your first novel, I believe, and it was just so well timed. I mean, nobody saw that coming September um, uh, 2001. But I love the fact that you have the background that you have as a Jewish believer and what you bring to the table. But beyond that, just your, your writings are so compelling. Well, one of the things everybody tells me who reads your book, they can't wait for the next one. And I know you're working on that. But 
I'm working on it. Yes. Always working on it. (laughs) Yeah. So I remember we had dinner at PF Chang's right there in Albuquerque. And it was you and your wife and your director of media, uh, Chip Lesko and his wife, uh, Larissa. And out of just that dinner, oh my gosh, you had several ideas. You're like, all right, your love for Israel and God seems to be raising you up to teach and communicate to the church. So here's the things we ought to do together. First, we want to help you build a website for the Joshua Fund. I'm like, Okay. And then you said, and we ought to do a tour of Israel like together, but maybe we could get like a bunch of churches to do this. Why don't we do a conference? Why don't we do a conference on Israel and prophecy? We called it an epicenter conference. And you said, why don't you bring two or 300 people? I'll bring two. I'm like two or 300 people. What, what planet skip do you live on? I don't, I've taken like nobody in the past and now you want to, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. We did the epicenter conference in Jerusalem. 2,000 people came. Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, now uh, yes. famous before, but now with the Jesus Revolution movie, and people you know, think that Kelsey Grammer uh, was the pastor of <laughs> Calvary uh, Costa Mesa. But, and, and then out of that came, hey, we ought to do a documentary film about your book Epicenter and talk about at the 40th, I think it was the 40th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. And it was going to be 2007. You're like, we ought to – and I said, that's just like a couple months away. What are you talking about? Create a whole film for that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so we did, and we interviewed Netanyahu. And I mean, and then we ended up doing a radio broadcast to promote yes. the f- documentary film from a radio studio at the top of the Empire State Building in Manhattan. And you guys, you and, and your wife and, your, and, and Chip and Larissa were like – well, we have a, an evening off. Why don't we go see Letterman? I'm like, wow, I really like the way these people think. They are not inside the box thinkers. So that's just a few ways I want our audience to know how passionate you are that's about awesome. Israel and the neighbors, but also how creative you are and how quickly you were like, I got ideas. Let's do stuff together. And I was just like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Where does all that come well, from? Well, probably ADD. uh, That's what my wife tells, Lenya tells me I have. But um, I remember about you is you, you were just at a place in your life. And I I think that's probably your secret is you were just so open to um, ideas and and your ideas are good. Joe, you have a very interesting mix. You're highly capable, your background in politics Etc. I mean, for who you are, what you do with all Israel news, all Arab news, the books you write, it's the perfect combination that God has given you. He's given you a platform. And I, I just remember seeing that early on. Like People were getting to know you through your books, but what you have to share, the, the, the unique perspective you have to share, mm-hmm. uh, I always thought needed to get out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was an honor to, to partner on that film and that conference. I thought it was it was an epic Epic time. Mm-hmm. Epic for the epicenter. Epic. Yeah, well, I appreciate epic it. And, and I'm very thirsty to be and hungry to be around people that have good ideas. I have mm-hmm. some, but sometimes I have ideas that seem great to me and not everyone around me thinks that. But when God uses a team and brings people with different skill sets and different resources and different perspective to say, hey, what if we did this? What if we tried that? Carl is definitely one of those people. Uh, Skip, you're just getting to know Carl uh, here on this broadcast, and we need to connect you guys more. But just as a way of connecting you guys, when we needed to hire a new executive director, because our other one that was, had done a great job, but it was deciding to move on, I told the board, we need someone like Carl Muller. 
<laughs> and they're like, okay, who's Carl Muller? I'm like, well, he's, you know, he ran open doors with brother Andrew for nine years. He ran the international Bible society known as Biblica. He was on, you know, campus crusade for Christ staff. He, he, he worked um, at Saddleback for a while. A guy like that, he, somebody he's got to have global experience. He's got to have a passion for Israel and the neighbors, the Arab Muslim neighbors and some experience in the region. I didn't actually expect to, that Carl himself would be interested, but I'd known him and I just thought he's sort of the model in my mind and he has brought all kinds of great ideas, including Joel, let's do a podcast. Like a podcast? I don't know how to do a podcast. I never did a podcast. So I'm grateful for you too. You guys are a fount of many blessings in my life and people give me a lot of credit for stuff that was never my idea. The Joshua Fund was not my idea. All Israel News was not my idea. These are people who came to us and said, these are things we think you should do. Would you pray about it? And my first answer was, I'll pray about it. But I think the answer is no. But I was wrong. And fortunately, the Lord overruled me. And and so uh, Skip also serves on the board of Near East Media, which is like the holding ministry for all Israel News and all Arab News. So let's talk about how a California surfer – who was far from Jesus. Uh, we're going to, you know, in the next podcast, we'll talk about how you came to Jesus, but how did you develop a love for Israel? Uh, and mm-hmm. as we hear at the 75th anniversary, and literally as you and I are recording this, we are just about an hour away here in Jerusalem from the sun going down and heading into the actual, on the Hebrew calendar, the 75th anniversary. Obviously, mm-hmm. on the uh, Western calendar, it's May 14th. But we're on a lunar calendar here, so it moves around a little bit. But so where does this love for Israel yeah. come to you personally? Yeah, that's a good question, I think, given my background. I'm a German Catholic, so there's no, and completely well, Gentile. obvious that you were going to fall in love with it. And you got a, a German Lutheran <laughs> on the other, he's our host. So I feel outnumbered. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the odds of just Carl and I getting together are, are slim, <laughs> let alone we this fought our own wars. triangle. We're happy to be the Jewish evangelical bridge between you all. <laughs> so I, I grew up in a home that really did not pay Israel any attention whatsoever Judaism, any attention whatsoever. And so what happened to me is I was exposed to the Bible through Chuck Smith. Mm. After I came to Christ Mm. with the Billy Graham ministry, I went to a church called Calvary Chapel and Chuck taught the Bible. Anybody who spends any time in the scripture is going to be confronted over and over again with the name Israel or Jacob or all these Jewish names and place names and cities. And so one is naturally going to wonder, well, Is that place real? And is it still around? And then Chuck Smith would take tours to Israel. And so anybody going to a church that loves Israel, teaches the Bible, is going to naturally fall in love with the people God made a covenant with. And that's what happened to me. So what happened to me is in like 1978, somebody visited our church from Israel, who was part of the kibbutz program for volunteers. And it was before, right around the 30th anniversary. That's when I went to Israel the first time, the 30th anniversary of the land. So he was inviting the young people. I was a young person once, (laughs) and that was when I was young. And he invited the young people to come and volunteer on Kibbutzim in Israel to work the land, to live there for several months. And I, that night, said, God willing, I'm going to joined that first group and I signed up. Tell people what a I kibbutz got involved. is because not everybody listening knows what a kibbutz is. A kibbutz is, is like a farm. It's a farm uh, 
kind of a, a socialist experiment in Israel that served Israel well during its first years uh, regathering in the land. They're still around. There's variations of those collective farms. They go by different names, but a kibbutz is a place where people from different parts of the world usually congregate in one place on a farm, work the land, will sell their produce to other parts of the country. We specialized in growing avocados. We specialized in a metal factory. And different of these farms or gatherings specialize in produce or endeavors, and they cooperate, sell, do business with other parts of the land. So, so how old were you then when you said, yes, I want to do that? I was in my early 20s okay. uh, when I went uh, the first time. So 19, I was born in 55. That was 1978. So yeah, I was in my early 20s. And I had just met my future wife, Lenya. I, met, I knew her. And she had traveled. This was my first time overseas anywhere. Wow. And it was wow. Israel. And so I'd never been on an overseas flight. So this Amazing. is exciting to me. Wow. And I remember it cost to go to Israel. The plane ticket was about five, 600 bucks round trip. <laughs> but you, you, you land in Tel Aviv. They pick you up at the airport, put you in a van or a truck, take you to the kibbutz, and you just work day in and day out. And every few weeks, they'll put you in that truck and drop you off at a site like Sea of Galilee or Jerusalem, give you a few days, pick you back up, and you just sort of have to fend for yourself and see the land. <laughs> wow. That was my first experience. Did you have other young people in this program that spoke English that you could pal around with, or were you all with just yeah. Israelis? Yeah, there were 12, 13 of us from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And we uh, they took us to a kibbutz up north called uh, Kibbutz Gaton, which is near Naharia uh, on the seacoast, close to the Lebanese border. Wow. We used to hear wow. gunfire at night, uh, machine gun fire from the border, and the incursions that the PLO were making against Israel. So it was a very exciting time. And... Um, you know, they put us all like in in two huts, one for gals, one for guys made out of plywood with little beds on them. You know, no air conditioning, this wasn't no heating. The King David and, seven star hotel in <laughs> Jerusalem. This wasn't, you know, the David. This was, this was a minus one star. Yeah, hotel. Minus one. <laughs> hey, uh, guys, we're going to take a break real quick here. But Skip, when we come back, I want to hear, uh, you know, and I'm sure Joel will ask more about what. You've seen, you've been to Israel now, how many times? How many times have you been to Israel? Do you? 41. 41 times. So that initial experience in the kibbutz was quite different. And, and Israel has changed so much in these 75 years of its existence. I'd love to get your perspective when we come back on, on what that looks like from where you are. But let's take a break right now, okay? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Our prayer requests today are to pray for ministers around the world that they come to understand the scriptures deeply and are willing to teach it without fear or favor. And to also pray for the people of Israel that they would come to understand and know their Messiah and all that was written concerning him in the Bible. Well, we're back. Skip, it's great to hear these stories. I mean, I've seen a kibbutz. I've never stayed on one, uh, but that is a remarkable experience, a first-time experience with Israel. I don't think a lot of our listeners, even those who've come to Israel, have had a chance to stay on a kibbutz. But maybe maybe you can uh, can give us some further insight into what it's been like to see Israel develop over the, the years that you've been going, over 41 times. 41 times is a lot. <laughs> and just give us some perspective maybe from that early visit to where you are now with Israel. Okay, uh, real briefly, um, one of the things I noticed when I went on the kibbutz the first time was their interest in why Christian, especially Gentile Christians, who would have no reason, no compelling reason to be in Israel, what, what were you guys, what are you doing sure. here? Why, are, why did you leave your home in the United States to come here? And, and they did not understand our love for them or for the Messiah. So, we had an opportunity to live before them and share that. But what helped is that we worked hard and we determined let's be the hardest workers on the kibbutz. So when we have opportunity to share the gospel, it's backed up by we're here to serve you. And we, you know, we're not like soft Americans and who don't want to do anything. And we did, we worked really hard and they were impressed. They even came to us and said, you know, we usually think of Americans as very soft and not wanting to do any work and delegating to somebody else. But you guys are different. So tell us why and tell us what you're doing here. And we had an evening together with the entire kibbutz population. I was able to bring my guitar out and sing for them, tell them about Yeshua, tell them about our love for their Messiah, thank them for being the caretakers of the promises all these years. And it really formed a bridge. And some of those were long-lasting relationships for years. And we, we even saw a couple people on the kibbutz, uh, two to be exact, that I remember, make uh, decisions to follow Yeshua, wow. which was, especially right. at that time, was yeah. just unheard of. Yeah, it's wow. True. Yeah, we've done programs about the how hard it is for uh, Israelis to accept uh, Yeshua as their Messiah. And uh, as, as the number of uh, Israelis at that time that had made that decision was probably just maybe a few dozen. <laughs> Joel, you've probably had, you know, a, a lot more experience with how that progression has happened. But uh, Joel, maybe you can also just uh, dive into a little bit the the growth of the of the body of Messiah in Israel in this time and, and where Israel is today. I mean, this is uh, the celebration of the 75th anniversary of Israel's founding, and all of this is is yeah. so pertinent right now. Absolutely. Well, so by 78, there were probably a, a few hundred believers in Yeshua uh, in the country. Um, I'm not saying just 200, maybe three, 400, but there weren't that many young people at that point. You know, when Israel was founded in 19... 19- 
48, the modern state of Israel, the sovereign state of Israel, we know that there were only 23 actually known Jewish followers of Yeshua, Jesus, in the entire country of Israel. 23 in 1948. And you're like, and and, and some of them are still alive today. And Lynn and I have gotten to mm-hmm. know them. And it's like, for an American, it's like knowing a Christian who stepped off the Mayflower <laughs> to help found yeah. the country. Like, like, how am I getting to know the first generation of believers? And so when you go from 23 uh, to a few hundred 30 years later, you can see how slow this was going. From that point in 78 to where we are today, there are now about 30,000 Jewish followers of Jesus here in the land. Uh, there are a number of other uh, Israeli followers of Jesus who live outside the country, but you know, roughly now we're at around 30,000. So 75 years You've gone from 23 to 30,000. So that's certainly growth, and that's good. That's encouraging. But it's not exactly, you know, it's not the spiritual awakening that, you know, we pray for and that we see when we look at Ezekiel 39, for example, when the war of Gog and Magog is complete, when God has supernaturally stepped in to protect Israel from its Russian, Iranian, and other enemies that are coming to devour them, uh, devour us, uh, God says he's going to pour out his spirit on the whole house of Israel. He says he's, he's going to stop hiding his face from his people. And so we know that's an inflection point in which a lot of Israelis who have, may have had seeds planted earlier will start to come to faith in, in very, very large numbers. And of course, we know Romans eleven twenty six tells us eventually all Israel will get saved. We won't go into the theology of that. We are going to do that on a future uh, podcast. But so that is encouraging. But there's other things that are encouraging too. We're So in Ezekiel 37, of course, there are two major prophecies. One is the rebirth of the sovereign state of Israel out of the ashes of death and destruction. We now know is the, was the, the ashes of the Holocaust, and that's the physical rebirth, the Jews coming back to the land, resettling the land, making the deserts bloom, rebuilding the ancient ruins, building an exceedingly great army, and basically becoming a sovereign people and political state again. That is happened starting in 48 and going forward. uh, We see that in motion. But the other major prophecy in Ezekiel 37 is sort of trailing the physical rebirth of Israel will come the spiritual rebirth Mm. of Israel. And we are seeing, again, not as fast as the number of Jews in the United States, for example, coming to faith in Jesus. There were, you know, uh, maybe a few hundred when I was born in 1967 in the United States. But in the Jesus revolution, that's when the curtain went up. That's when my parents came to faith. That's when I came to faith. And then many Jewish ministry leaders who are who are major leaders, either in congregations or in large organizations, came to faith in the early years of the 1970s. And now we're at about 900,000 Jewish followers of Jesus, Jewish evangelicals from a Jewish background wow. uh, in the United States alone. So when you put all that together, we're at about a million mm. worldwide, which is pretty extraordinary when you see that growth, but all of it trails behind the dramatic birth and and growth of Israel. It's security. We joke here that uh, the crane is the national bird of Israel, but by that we mean the, uh, the cranes that are building apartments. The building crane. Because <laughs> they're everywhere. The country's growing. When I was, you were there in 78, my first trip was in 87 to study at Tel Aviv University. It was a pretty poverty stricken pretty simple country. I think there was one, uh, you know, skyscraper maybe in Tel Aviv. I don't remember it being a thing. And now, wow, they're everywhere. So let's go back to Skip. You've seen so much change, but we've also seen another change. 
we've seen the change that your our generation, the three of us, and those older than us, really a lot of evangelicals developed this great love of watching Israel come back to life uh, geopolitically mm-hmm. and spiritually. But we've got a younger generation, under 40, under 30. These are evangelicals that aren't against Israel, but by the polling that the Joshua Fund and All Israel News has done, we are finding that young evangelicals are shifting into the, I don't know what I think mm-hmm. about Israel mm-hmm. camp. And Skip, since since at, both as a pastor, but also as a young person who didn't have a lot of background about Israel, but then because of the teaching of the scriptures and you getting to go there, this transformed your, uh, you know, it became a central principle in your overall ministry. Just give us some thoughts about what you think is happening with young people not tracking with what their parents and grandparents understand about God's plan and purpose for Israel and the Jewish people. Because it's a concern of mine as we head into the 75th Mm -hmm. anniversary year. I think there's two strains, two uh, rivers that sort of have created this among young people. One is educationally. The other is theologically. Theologically, replacement theology, reform theology that marginalizes Israel or sees uh, has a different viewpoint eschatologically uh, uh, in terms of interpretation of the Bible. They don't see Israel as a relevant player. The church replaces Israel in their view, number one. And, and there's a lot of preachers in the United States in that camp that – have become role models for lots of younger pastors. So that's one river. The other is educationally. There's college campuses that are filled with activist Palestinians or groups that are against Israel and protest avidly. And, I mean, I speak to college kids all the time who have heard that ranting, and they're afraid of those demonstrations. And so they'll, they'll cower back or take a second look at it. So I know there's more, but those are the two main ones that I see that are largely responsible for. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. And it's something that Carl and I and our team are are spending time on because one of the major elements, as you know, Skip, because you've been involved with us from the literally from the get go. We started the Joshua Fund in the summer of 2006. And by September, or October, I remember I was sitting with you at P.F. Chang and we were now saying, well, what can we do to help get this educational message out? But I think that uh, I agree with you, and I want to focus on that educational side for a moment. It's not just that there's so much pushback in the media and on college campuses, so much anti-Israel discussion going on. But 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 going to the point of the scriptures that you just read, Carl, while in Romans 10, the Apostle Paul is certainly talking about the gospel. That's clear. How can people believe in the gospel if nobody's ever told them the gospel? And how can people be told the gospel if no one is sent to tell the gospel and so forth? But that's also true of any good theology. If we don't teach young people the theology that Israel is described by God as the apple of his eye, the literal lenses by which he looks at the rest of the world and super sensitive to him, right? Don't poke him in the eye because that's Israel. So if we're not teaching that, if we're not teaching that the gospel started in Jerusalem by an Israeli Jew who died on a cross and rose again, and that's relevant, it's not incidental. God could have put Jesus in. In Japan or Brazil or Kurdistan or, or Canada or the United States, but he didn't. He chose specifically to send uh, the Messiah through a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when that's not being taught in a congregation, then, then how are young people supposed to know it? Or yeah. if their parents and grandparents are going to a great congregation that's biblically healthy on 
all major issues, including Israel, that doesn't mean I'm learning that uh, Sunday schools and youth groups are teaching it because not mm-hmm. all Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders think that Israel is a part of the story that they need to share with young people. And so I think parents and grandparents who really love Israel and get it biblically, some are not even aware. They're not even realizing. They're not adding two and two together and realizing, oh, what I'm being fed from the scriptures is not what my young people, that's not part of their diet. So no wonder they don't understand and they're not convinced. This is a serious problem. It's it's true on their uh, young people's view on marriage, whether it's only between a man and a woman and, and a lot of issues. But I think the issue of Israel is certainly one of them. Mm. Certainly. And prop, I just thought of something. Part of the problem, yeah, I mean, a lot of the problem is in the pulpit. And it's not only that there is a replacement theology in many pulpits, but you could have good theology in many pulpits, but the, these are just pulpits that are silent. Mm. They just don't talk about these very issues. So it's like if we know that 25, 26% of the scripture is prophecy, but we don't teach prophecy, we're, we're leaving out a quarter of what God has to communicate. And it's one of the reasons I just completed a I'm doing a series on the end times now, but it was a five-week series on the place of Israel in prophecy. And it's central. You can't escape it unless you willingly try to escape it, and there's no reason to do that. Well, that's true, but that's an interesting point, and let's take another point. And I think there are a number of pastors that they're not even fully cognizant that they're skipping Israel. I mean, some are. They're they're actively against it, or they're like, I don't want to talk about that. It's too political or too whatever. But there is a biblical narrative or biblical theology approach that says we're teaching the creation, the fall, redemption, and return, mm-hmm. all of which are true. <laughs> but you've just taken out all of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've just taken out two-thirds of the Bible because you've skipped the story of Israel. The creation doesn't involve Israel. The fall doesn't involve Israel. The redemption is Jesus in Israel, but you could skip the discussion of the whole point of God's plan and purpose for Israel. And then the return, yes, that's to Jerusalem, but by that time, the whole story is over. So, you know, it's sort of like, um, so that would seem to many like good theology. You're not anti-gospel, you're not anti-Bible, but you have just dropped out a major element. And this is a problem in seminaries, in Bible colleges, and then in the pulpits. Hmm. Carl, you see it as well, right? Well, I was going to say, Joel, I mean, this is one of the biggest challenges right now is that we have an aggressive viewpoint that is anti-biblical in this sense. I mean, certainly in the secular world, it's anti-biblical. And educationally, we are under uh, this tremendous force of uh, anti-God, anti-Israel, anti-Bible viewpoints. But then the church and even Christian colleges are not equipped, it seems, to be able to teach on this well. So that vacuum is not answered. You know, that that vacuum is then filled by what's left over from a secular uh, media and worldview. It's really a huge challenge right now. We've got to fill that void through the pulpits and through the curricula in in colleges. We've got to be able to start addressing that, which, Skip, I'm so grateful for your work. And Joel, obviously, you know, I'm, I work for you. Uh, so there's, you know, there's there's a heart that we have to do this. Um, but it's really a vital need right now as we see it. Well, I think, Carl, it, it, one of the reasons I'm so happy that you've been here at the Joshua Fund for the last three years as our executive director is because you not only bring in your own theological training 
and experience with a number of different ministries that give you real unique perspectives on different silos or swaths of American evangelicalism and global evangelicalism. But also you have a PhD in education. You think this way. That's It's not surprising that you thought one of the tools in the modern era is not just to write another book, but maybe a podcast where people can just be jogging or you know, washing the dishes or driving or flying and just listen to a conversation about stuff that they might not have time to think about otherwise. Skip, you're a, you're very passionate about a wide range of media because you seem to think <laughs> that you can't just teach it from the pulpit. So talk about the way you, you teach Israel, uh, both from the pulpit, but also using a wide range of media. And maybe you have some ideas that our listeners might think wherever they are located – ideas that they could tap into and think, yeah, that might be a good way for me to start teaching about Israel when I haven't really thought about that so much. Wow. Uh, that's a huge topic. Um, uh, when it comes to media now, there, things are not monolithic. There's just so many options. It doesn't have to be um, synchronous listening anymore. It can be asynchronous. You can listen to it whenever you want or watch it whenever you want. You can curate your own channel. And so uh, there's so much information out there that we decide, uh, you know, we, we do radio, we do television, we do a podcast, though differently than this, we, we podcast usually messages that we teach. Uh, we use uh, Twitter and, and, and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things I'll just encourage pastors to do is to talk about Israel, if only from the standpoint that everyone is interested in the Middle East. It's in the headlines all the time. If you were to just include some things about Israel and the Middle East in your sermons, people will be interested because they're asking questions about that. And then when it comes to us getting the word out about these things, you know, when I put up a picture of the Sea of Galilee or of Jerusalem or whatever, people who are Bible geeks or Bible students, for that matter, just love the fact that they're visualizing what they've read about. And that's why I tell people, come to Israel. It'll change everything because it's the ultimate visual aid. You know, you'll never read the Bible the same again. And I just want to recap some of the ways, and you know, for our audience, now put it in some context of ways you've helped us. When Joshua started, we didn't have a website. You thought, no, you you need a website, and we can help you with that. We didn't think about taking large tours to Israel. I mean, you don't have, they don't have to be large. They could be small. But the point is, we weren't doing tours yet. And you said, no, you need to do it. You, here, here you're coming up on, at that point, was the, um, uh, you know, 2008. So that was the 60th anniversary of the rebirth of Israel. Like, this would be a good time to do a tour <laughs> as well as a conference. I'm like, okay, that's a good point. And then you're like, you should make a documentary film. In other words, you have really helped me think uh, about different ways to engage even juggles. One who love Israel because you always want to reinforce the base, you know, and give a B twelve shot to to people who are healthy on this topic, make so that they can go out and teach and share and, and talk about it with others. But also, then, how do you draw in people who maybe are skeptical or they're not sure what they think? How do we engage them? You know, people are engaged in different ways, and uh, not everybody wants to sit down and read a novel or a nonfiction book. Um, so you've really helped me think through, hey, let's go do a radio broadcast from the top of the Empire State Building. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots of fun ways. Skip, I love it that you and I both get to give Joel crazy ideas and then watch what he does with them. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> so, 
Well, Joel is an interesting animal. I mean, he is um, not literally an animal. He's an interesting person <laughs> oh, sorry, in that. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's this mix between, you know, a political analyst and uh, a theologian. And I mean, I've, a diplomat. I've just watched him in different contexts. And he's so capable yeah. at so many things as an yeah. author. Um, I mean, it's pretty astonishing. I really. totally agree with you. What? Let me let me say this about Joel too. Is I I love to say that you know maybe only, I'll just drop off for a little while. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I, it, sometimes it's uncomfortable, Joel, but you got to sit and listen to it. Okay, uh, I think that I think that God has uniquely crafted uh, you, Joel, and and Skip. You have also been sort of a catalyst in helping Joel come to terms with some of these things. I re- I really believe that. I think the catalytic effect that you've had early on in Joel's ministry was to to let him see how God has really given him a biblical uh, theology and worldview that is uh, so crucial to the church and to the believers here, given him current modern day geopolitical and, as you said, almost diplomatic engagement with the current leadership of the Middle East, both in Israel and the neighboring countries. And then you take that through line all the way to the prophetic, which doesn't leave Joel untethered, but has a biblical and current geopolitical background to be able to make comments about the prophetic realities that we, that we look towards for the coming of Christ, the, the return, the restoration of Israel, all of these things. And to see that in a consistent way, I don't know of anybody else, honestly, in the Christian world today yeah. who has that unique combination of, of experience. And, and Carl, what are the odds that you would get an American evangelical man with Jewish roots live in Jerusalem right. and meet with Arab heads That's of state right. <laughs> and with favor? I mean, they, they, there's a favor okay. shown toward him. It's Amen. amazing. Well, that, all right, so we, we got a few minutes left, but that that's an interesting one because uh, I want the audience to know also that Skip, again, serves on the board of, um, for, right from the beginning of Near East Media, which is what is the ministry that launched all Israel news and all Arab news, again, as another way to think about how do we cover what's happening in Israel and the broader Arab Muslim world. Honestly, fairly, it's got to be real journalism, but it's got to be also explaining what does it mean? How, how do we view these issues and these trends and challenges and crises and opportunities from a biblical worldview? And how do we communicate that in a world where media is so hostile to Israel and the church um, but also, you have come with me, Skip, and your wife on a number of these delegations. Would you share a little bit? I mean, you you have to share the story of sitting with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. I've told your story on this podcast, mm-hmm. but we haven't had you tell the story. From the moment I invited you, I don't know, maybe you thought I was crazy. Hey, let's go to Saudi Arabia and meet a possible murderer or the future king. I mean, you know, that was a crazy trip. But share a little bit about why you came and what your conversation with the crown prince was like. It was fascinating. Okay, so I'll do it. I'll try to do it briefly because of time. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The reason I think that God has given you favor in these areas is um, a four-letter word, love. You love Israel and you love Israel's neighbors and you are – uncompromising. You love Jesus. You you don't hold anything back, but you do it in a very honoring way that the hosts or the ones who are hosting this for you and invite you over don't feel threatened, but um, they've developed a friendship with you. That's so unique. It's very, 
it's compelling to me. Mm-hmm. So the thing with um, going to Saudi Arabia and and meeting with the crown prince in his palace and being able to uh, share the gospel, you teed that up for me. You asked him in his presence, um, you said something like, your royal highness, or you probably don't hear the term evangelical Christian much in the the confines of this palace, I'm guessing. And uh, we have a pastor from the United States uh, who um, could give you a, an explanation as to what an evangelical Christian is and believes. And so what, what you basically did is tee it up so I could share the gospel with him. And I remember trying to do that in a way that was honoring to the Lord and captured the gist of the gospel in a way that was understandable but not threatening mm-hmm. to the audience. And and I think he received it well because it was just basically the message. This is what we believe, mm-hmm. uh, Your Majesty. We believe that God sent his son, his only son, Jesus, into this world on a rescue mission uh, to save people from their sin and he said, whoever, he died on a cross, rose from the dead. Whoever would believe in him would not perish. It's just basically John three sixteen with a little more explanation. And after sharing that, you, you wonder there's like in your heart a long silence, even though there probably wasn't in the room. But it just seemed like, what's he going to say to that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, again, the way you set it up and the love with which you approached that meeting, uh, I think, paved the wow. way. Well, I appreciated you being part of it. And then... Clearly, it didn't offend him so badly that he didn't invite us back. And so when we went back uh, the following year, then that was 2019, then there was the opportunity for you to bring Lenya. And one of the things I loved about Lenya, we'll have to have her on the podcast at some point, but but uh, maybe you two together because it's a great story. But just real briefly, Carl, I would just say that uh, we had an opportunity, to, of course, to ask these questions. We had two hours each session, each time we went. Mm. Two hours were the, one of the, probably the most consequential and certainly the most controversial mm-hmm. man in the Arab Muslim world and at his invitation. But Lenya asked a great question. She shared about how she uh, loves the various women in the Bible and that one of the women that she's intrigued with is the Queen of Sheba. And she described uh, her as an Arab monarch from the Arabian Peninsula and how she got uh, – the Queen of Sheba got so intrigued with Israel – with King Solomon, with the wisdom of King Solomon, that she decided to to uh, make a journey to Jerusalem. And she just walks the crown prince and his top advisors in the room, in the palace there, through the story of how Israel and the Arabian world became friends through a woman meeting who, who just thought, I, I, I really want to go meet this leader of Israel wow. and find out what's going on with him. He seems powerful, successful, militarily strong, economically strong, and he seems to know God. I want to go, I want to go meet this person. Like that was just beautiful to watch because most women don't have an opportunity historically to meet the leader of Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) No unveiled woman has ever, well, that I know of gotten that opportunity. And, but, but an evangelical woman who gets to say, can I just share an interesting story from the Bible that I love that is about this, this connection between Israel Mm. It's and your world, your Arabian world. And wow, that was fun. And and again, he took that well. He could have kicked us out, but he did not. Wow. It's truly amazing, guys. And Skip, I, I just love that story. I've heard it. Uh, to hear it from your uh, mouth is also amazing. And Joel, of course, uh, this, is, this has been really rich. We're going to come back and we're going to do more, Skip, on our next podcast with you. And I, I really hope our listeners will tune in to, for that one because, you know, this is, we really need to know who you are 
from your background and how you got to this place to be able to have such amazing experiences and uh, to show this. So again, thanks for this time, Skip, Joel. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know our wonderful 75th well. anniversary uh, podcast. Yeah. You're, you're the perfect guest for this uh, skip. Thank exactly, you. Exactly. Exactly. My privilege. Great to be with you. And, both. You know, and, and to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. We really depend on you to support and to encourage and to give us the topics that you'd like us to talk about. And if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, you can visit our website at joshuafund.com, and there you can learn about what we're doing in the Middle East to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus, and how you— And our upcoming trip. I will tell about our upcoming trip. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We have one coming up this year, and I'm sure in the show notes you can find out all about that trip coming up this fall. You can also participate in the work that we're doing through your prayers and your support. And as always, check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and Skip Heitzig, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. And I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways, there's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The Prayer and Vision Tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there. Hello, hello. Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's Word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's word.